Luke chapter 14. We'll read verses one through six. We've said many times, and we repeat it often, one gospel, but four gospel writers, correct? We, we all know that. We said that for many years. We all know that if you've heard us preach at all, and we specifically look at the gospels, we know that they all look at Christ a little bit differently. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We know Matthew and I found out something yesterday in studying, and I don't know if I ever preach it or not, but it just, it just blessed my heart. Uh, Matthew and John would have been firsthand accounts. They were there, but Mark and Luke weren't. They got their message from information from somebody else. Most people believe that Mark got his information from Peter, and if you study the book of Mark, you'll find that a lot of things Peter did wrong, it was omitted. <laughs> you can laugh. That's, that's, I think it's kind of funny. Uh, all the bad stuff he did, the things he messed up on, Mark didn't seem to record, but the other gospel writers did. But the one thing that he did record about Peter was the fact that he repented. Amen. Boy, that spoke to me. Because it really doesn't matter what you did before repentance, but it matters that you repented. Wow. I just, and that, that was free. Didn't cost you anything. Just thought that was kind of interesting. But the, the gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Luke, of course, the physician. Uh, also wrote the book of Acts. But Luke seems like he focused his gospel accounts on those that were lonely those that were left out and those that were left over. Those that society would look over and just leave alone and not even beg to deal with them. And, and this, is, this is kind of what we he, see here in this first six verses, but something just a, a little bit differently. This man, you'll find, was put there with a purpose. And it came to pass as he, being Jesus, went into the house of one of the chief Pharisees to eat bread on the Sabbath day that they watched him. And behold, there was a certain man before him which had the dropsy. And Jesus answering spake unto the lawyers and the Pharisees, saying, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day? And they held their peace and he took him and healed him and let him go. And answered them saying, which of you shall have an ass or an ox fallen into a pit and will not straightway pull him out on the Sabbath day? And they could not answer him again to these things. Don't you love when Jesus leaves people speechless? <laughs> Some of you have been uh, in front of a doctor and they read the medical report, what was and what is, and they don't have nothing to say. Some of you all actually have on your doctor's reports divine intervention. I love that. I love when God just does something special or he confounds the wise and he takes the simple and confounds the wise. And this is a, this is a beautiful passage of scripture. We're gonna dive into this a little bit and you pray for us over the next couple hours and we'll get you out of here. Just make sure you're still listening. 
The first thing that should bring to your attention and should catch you right off guard is this. And he went to the house of one of the chief Pharisees to eat bread. That automatically should your spiritual antennas should go up. That he went to a Pharisee's house. You say, well, why is that important? Well, it's very well documented in the book of Luke up until this time, the tension between Jesus and the Pharisees. Remember Luke chapter six, when they were going through the field and they were getting the corn and on the Sabbath day. And, and remember Luke chapter 11 when he called them uh, hypocrites. Remember that? Remember Luke chapter 13 when he called them hypocrites again? So it's very well documented that there was some tension between Jesus and the Pharisees and yet they invited him to dinner. And he went. I mean, if you know that you're going into a hostile environment, would you go? Maybe some of you say, yeah, if it's a river steak, I'll go. <laughs> no, no, I'll sit with anybody. But um, anyway, um, it's obvious these people can't stand him. They hate him. They're trying to trip him up. And yet they invite him to this house. And what's more, he goes and sits down to their table. Folks, sometimes, and this is what this teaches us right away, sometimes we're going to face hostile environments and you're going to have to learn how to take a stand. And it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And, and most of us wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't accept that invitation, but it, but it teaches us that we have to stand, especially if we're going, we, we can't be scared of the problem if we have the solution. And Jesus wasn't scared of the problem because he was the solution. He knew exactly what they were trying to do. He knew exactly what they were going to do. And he was going to take what they did, turn the tables on them and do the miraculous as we're going to find out here in just a little bit. But verse one, look at what it says. They, 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 uh, they, said it, they were sitting at the dinner together. They invite him to his house to eat bread on the Sabbath day. And look at what it says, that they watched him. Just because you're watched doesn't mean you're wanted. And that's exactly what was happening here. If you look at it uh, in, in the Greek, what it, it basically means that word, they watched him, it, it gives this uh, connotation that they were, it's sinister. They were watching him for a reason. It was an evil intention. They had no, you know, they weren't there, you know, getting in Texas Roadhouse rolls just to enjoy a party. You know, they were there, you, you missed a great place to laugh right there. I said, <laughs> they were eating bread, but they weren't there as, a, this wasn't a friendly courtesy. This wasn't a party. They were there watching Jesus to see if he would do something wrong. Okay? They were trying to draw attention. And it seems like that's the new drug of choice lately is attention. And so there they were, they were watching him with sinister intent, trying to set him up. Up until this time, they tried to catch him doing something wrong, so they couldn't catch him doing something wrong. So what they tried to do is to catch him doing something right on the wrong day. And that's what they were trying to do. They set him up. They were there. It's very important that this word is in there on the Sabbath day. Now, I know you all know this. This is probably elementary to some of y'all, but the Sabbath day was a very important day to Jews and still is. 
But did you know the Sabbath day wasn't set up for man in the first place? It was set up for God. Okay, so uh, he said on this, it's doesn't didn't he wasn't tired creating this world, but he said on the seventh day I'm going to rest. Why did he do that? Is to set a pattern for the rest of us that if we work throughout the day the week, we our body needs a day of rest. We need a Sunday afternoon nap. Somebody say amen right there. And so, but as the years went by, you know, it got, it got so important that God said, what well, I'm, I'm even gonna make it a law. So when, when, he was, when Moses was on the mountain of Sinai and he was given the, the uh, 10 commandments, one of those commandments was remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. It was very important. But now as time has passed away, religious rules don't seem to matter anymore. It wasn't a matter of respecting the holiness of God. They were using it to try to restrain God. And see, y'all be very careful. Sometimes the rules that we apply, sometimes the rules we set that are meant to restrain people only restrain God. Do you know that some things that we do, we limit God and his ability? He said, remember when he came over to Jerusalem that he wanted to do miracles, but they handcuffed him? Why? Because they simply did not believe. And folks, we limit God. We limit God when we don't respect him. We limit God when we don't understand that he is able to do exceeding abundantly above what we can ask or think. But when we doubt, when we limit him, when we don't believe, we stop the progress of what God wants to do. Yes, he's all powerful, but he will not override your will. And sometimes we're the reason why he don't do more in our midst. Because we limit him. That's what they were trying to do. They were trying to, they had these religious rules and trying to limit God, trying to restrain God. And so here in verse three, excuse me, in verse two, we said, it gives us the setting of what's going on. There's this man there that has dropsy. We'll get to him in a little bit. And look at what it says in verse three. Very interesting. And Jesus answering, spake unto the lawyers and Pharisees, saying, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day? Let me ask you a question. Who asked the question? No one spoke a word or asked a question, but yet it said Jesus answered. So in my mind, it's one of three things. Everybody doing okay? Would you wanna know what I think? No, how about you wanna know what the Bible says? The Bible will tell us, but it's gotta be one of three things. Number one, who's, who's, who's he answering? Somebody's, obviously there's a question here, but it wasn't spoken verbally. So number one, it's, it's, it might be this. He responded to the thoughts of the lawyers and the Pharisees. He could read their minds. And maybe, he just thought, you know, they're trying to trip me up. And you may not have to say it, but I know what's on your mind. It's called discernment. And people ask a lot of questions sometimes, and they'll say, well, why isn't so-and-so, why don't they come here and sing? 
why don't they come here and preach? So forth and so on. You have to trust in the discernment of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes it's not about the person at all. It's about the timing of God. But you have to trust that your shepherds have the discernment of the Holy Ghost. And Brother Delbert Evans taught us when we first started preaching, when I first started preaching in 1994, the first thing he told me, pray that the power of God rests upon you and the hand of God rests upon you. And secondly, pray for the discernment of the Holy Ghost. And sometimes God doesn't give us an answer, but all the time he will give us peace or no peace. And sometimes when there are certain situations and certain people are in your midst, they don't have to say a word, but I know they're up to something. Shake your head. And you need to pray for the discernment of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes people will come up to you with maybe an offer. Maybe somebody will come up to you with this or that or business venture. And it's down deep inside. It sounds good and it feels good. It, it sounds good on paper. But down deep inside you feel something stirring. And you know something ain't right. That's, your, that's the advice of the Holy Ghost to say, stay away. I've told this so many times you can quote it for me. When in doubt, don't. Because sometimes the Holy Spirit won't reveal things to you. The only thing he'll reveal to you is that don't do it. And we gotta be strong enough in the Lord to have the discernment to say, you don't have to say it out of your mouth, but I know what's going through your head. And sometimes there are people, whether you believe it or not, there are people that are out, that are out to destroy the church of the living God. There are people that are out to destroy Rubyville Community Church. I wish you'd know what some th- folks say about us. No, I don't, because you'd be mad. I'd rather you not know. But it gets around, and it comes back to us. I'm telling you, the way, the way people think about us, we are just, you know, we're doing things out here that are sacrilegious. I mean, we're cults out here. Don't you know that? We're a cult. Discernment. Maybe that's, what it, maybe that's what he was doing. Maybe that's the question he was answering, the questions that were going on in the lawyer and the Pharisees. Maybe, maybe it was this. Maybe he was answering the question to the Pharisees that brought the man with the, the dropsy there. Let me ask you this. This wasn't an open invite dinner. If this man was at the table, he had to be invited there. So the reason why he was there was to set up the Lord and Savior, which to me is so funny because that means the Pharisees and lawyers knew he could do something about his disease. (laughs) And yet they still brought him to the table doing something right, but on the wrong day. But then maybe it's this. Maybe he's reading the mind of the man of the dropsy. Maybe the man with the dropsy is saying, are you gonna do something about this? They're trying to set you up, but I'm still, I'm still over here with this dropsy. I'm still over here with this disease. Are you gonna do something about this? Maybe he's saying in his mind, I'm tired of being an object. I want to be a subject. I'm tired of just being looked at. I want to be something to somebody. 
Aren't you gonna do something about this, Jesus? Maybe in his mind he's going over all the miracles he saw. Maybe in his mind he's going over all the things that he has seen Jesus do. And he's thinking, you know what? He done that and surely he can do. Lord, are you going to do something for me? And Jesus answered him and he answered them. Because he said, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day? Notice he didn't say, Is it lawful that he gets healed on the Sabbath day? No, he said, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day? You know what he was telling? He was answering, if that's what he was saying, if he was answering the question of the man with the dropsy, he's answering his question. Because he's saying, get ready, fella, I'm about ready to heal you. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day? Is it lawful? And of course, they could not say a word. He's in the house. He's in this hostile environment. They're trying to trip him up. And he asked the question that no one had a question, but he answered the question that no one asked is what I'm trying to say. He said, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day? That was his answer in the form of a question. And it says, and they held their peace. They couldn't say a word because he answered everybody's question, no matter what they were thinking. And so here it comes. He takes this man, it says that he took him and healed him and let him go. We see first of all, and he took him. That means the word took him means he touched. That means he laid his hand on him. And he healed him and he let him go. Folks, I tell you what, there's nothing greater than the fact that the hand of the Lord is on you. I don't care if you're sick. I don't care if you are sinful. I don't care if you're going through times of of sorrow. Thank God there's nothing greater than when the hand of the Lord touches you. And that should be our prayer, regardless of what we're facing. I know we may feel like we're isolated. I know we may feel like so many in the book of Luke that were looked over and left over and just disregarded. But I'm telling you what, Jesus loves you. And if he has his hand on you, that's all you need to know. That's all you need to have that assurance that the hand of the Lord is on you. The hand of God was on him. You know what he's saying? I'm not perfect. I may be sick, but he still touched me. (laughs) I may be going through this time of sorrow and circumstance, but his hand is still on me. It said he touched him, put his hand on him, he healed him. But look at this, it says that let him go. So that means if he let him go, the word let him go in the Greek means to set free. So that means he was bound by something. Was it the dropsy that was holding him back? I don't think so. I think there's something greater here. I think Jesus is trying to teach us. He set him free from the people that wouldn't celebrate his miracle. Because there are some people in life that all they want you to do is celebrate when good things happen to them. But when good things happen to you, they are nowhere around. (laughs) But listen, hasn't God been good to all of us? 
And yes, we need to praise him. But I should be just as excited when he does something for you. And you should be just as excited when he does something for me. Why? Because we've all been touched by the hand of almighty God. <laughs> Hallelujah. I don't want to be around those kind of people that are selfish, that want all the attention. I want to be set free from those people. And I'm glad I belong to a church that we are, we are there and we hold each other in sorrow. But we rejoice in victory. He preached this morning. We so intend but hallelujah, we're gonna reap in joy. We all get to celebrate that. In fact, let's do it right now. Here's what I want you to do. Look to your neighbor. Look to your neighbor. Look to the one beside you. And I want you to tell them something that God has done good for you this week. Tell them right now. Tell them right now. So what do you go? Are you happy for them? Are you happy for him? Are you celebrate what God has done? Listen, we need to celebrate what God is doing here. Hallelujah. <laughs> and the good thing is, when other churches get blessed, we should celebrate them as well. We're not the, God has blessed us and his hand is upon us, but he can take it away as quick as he's given it to us, folks. Never, never, never be selfish. There's enough of God to go around. I'm so thankful for the presence of God. When we hear about the churches being blessed and other people seeing souls saved, we share with them in their struggle, but we need to celebrate with them whenever God does something good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So he sent him away and he let him go. And then the second question that they didn't ask, they didn't ask for it, they didn't ask another question, but he, he answered him again with another question. Which of you shall have an ass or an ox fallen into a pit and will not straightway pull him out on the Sabbath day? And they could not answer him again to these things. Notice he didn't say, if you have an ass or an ox fallen into a pit, he said, which of you? Which of you? You know what he was saying? He was putting ownership to the ox and the donkey. He wasn't asking, you know, if there's a, a donkey or, or an ox that falls into a pit, you gonna go get him out? That's not what he's asking. He's saying, if one of your, listen now, you're gonna miss, this is, I've worked it all up to get to this point. What if it's one of your donkeys? What if it's one of your ox and it falls into a pit, are you gonna get him or her out? Actually him, sorry. <laughs> Don't know my animals real well, do I? You gonna get them out? He said, obviously the answer was yes, because it's mine. He said, of course you are, because it's one of yours. And if it's one of yours, you've got something invested in it. So if it's in a pit, you're gonna take the time, no matter what day it is, and you're gonna pull it out of there and bring it to safety and back home because it's yours. That's what he was trying to tell him. 
There's a reason why I did this on the Sabbath. Because he's one of mine. <laughs> he's one of mine. That's the reason I did it. He's one of my children. He's in a pit and he needs help. And I reached over and touched him and pulled him out and set him free. He's one of mine. But there's something else here. Notice it. He tells us the location of where this donkey or this ox could fall. He says if it falls into a pit, there's a reason why that's in there. There's no pasture field that's gonna have a pit in it. An owner of these animals are not gonna put a pit in their pasture. So that means this animal has wandered off. That means this animal isn't at home where he should be. So he's saying, gentlemen, you mean to tell me if one of your ox, if one of your donkeys wander off from your house and they fall into a pit somewhere, you mean you're not gonna go out and search for him on the Sabbath day? Fellas, I'm the God of the Sabbath. I created this thing. I made the rules. And if one of my own, I'm gonna stray from home and they fall into a pit, I'm not gonna sit there and stew just because it's a Sabbath day. I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. And when I say whosoever, I mean whosoever. <laughs> and I'm gonna go after them. I'm gonna be like that shepherd that goes after that one lost lamb. Hallelujah, the one lost lamb left on the Sabbath day, the shepherd would go out and get it. I'm thankful, folks, no matter what day it was. Thank God, hallelujah, no rules or regulations kept my Savior away from reaching down and bringing me up out of that pit. Aren't you glad a wandering soul is found because he cared enough to find us? Hallelujah. And they couldn't say a word. He left them speechless. Why? Because everyone at that table had wandered away and needed to be found. And the convicting power of God spoke to their heart and said, it's not about tradition. It's about the power of love that is able to go and find that wandering lost lamb, that wandering lost animal and bring him back home. 